Unogea, King of Reza, Mimi Niar Linda, Nina Ferrara, Kukutana Nawewe, Becca Vasha, Becca Vasha, Kulam. Welcome, welcome everyone to my Above Ground podcast. And today's episode is indirect and direct accountability. So before we get in it, I hope everyone is having or have had a greater than awesome day depending on what time of the day you're listening in. I want to send a shout out to my daughter, AZ, over there at Value Force Podcast. She is doing a greater than awesome job going forth and her ability to mentor other youth. So I'm really, really excited about her. I want to send a shout out to Asia, who has been working on from time to time Uh, language sticks and language lips look out for it it's trademarked by the way coming soon and she's been working on that and I want to send a shout out to all of my friends on our Linda's Dots page I know many of you uh, do not know me and you have been wondering what is going on (laughs) Or you have been wondering, how can I participate in this project that she has spoken to me about at one particular time? And so I want to go in with just a little bit about who I am. I don't want to talk about too much um, because I don't want to reveal everything that's in part one of the Bipolar Mentor. So that is coming out. Um, I did do a short live in regards to um, the company still editing the book. And there are several books that are coming out to the Bipolar Mentor. All the proceeds um, are designed specifically for our BYBO Mentor Mentee Program. Yes, 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 yes. So I don't receive any monetary whatsoever uh, from the books. It goes straight into the program to help youth and families. So that is my goal with our program. I want to talk about um, who I am, where I grew up, and um, what this business means to me. And I want to talk about personal uh challenges that I've been through and personal empowerment and my own personal disability throughout several different episodes of this podcast. Um, I think that this is a greater than awesome opportunity for myself and others that I may have contacted, those that already um, know me from growing up and those who yet do not know who I am. So this is a greater than awesome opportunity for us to connect and connect the dots digitally. Yes, yes, yes. So I grew up in a small town in Arkansas called Newport, Arkansas. And I didn't have a very good upbringing as a young child in the educational system. Um, I had been through so many different things early on um, starting school 
that my youth was completely destroyed. And so this is one of the reasons as to why not only have my children inspired me for this program and have basically created this program through their growing up and their life experiences as youth, um, but also from the things that happened to me in my youth, I believe this is a more than greater than awesome opportunity to be able to give back uh, to the youth around the world in our community, as well as a greater than awesome opportunity to give back to my own children and create such a digital, socialized environment around our culture. I think that is very, very, very important. So growing up in Newport, Arkansas, um, as a young girl, I was assaulted at the age of seven by a school teacher while playing on the playground and dealing with a very minute issue from another young girl, the same age as I, same grade as I, um, who made some comments about my hair that particular day and the result of my conversation with that other uh, student and young girl turned into an assault from the school teacher assaulting me. And so I don't wanna to talk too much about that situation because it's in my book. And again, it's for our youth uh, here in America and around the world um, through a digital aspect. But I wanna talk about how that situation caused me to go through many different uh, issues in society um, from that trauma. I dealt with trauma from my youth um, at that age on up through my teenage years and into my adulthood, that trauma was still there. I did not understand what to do or how to navigate through the trauma as we're oftentimes taught to do so in our culture inside of our communities. And so not only was I labeled, I was mislabeled. And early on, I learned how to advocate and empower myself starting at the age of seven. And although at the age of seven, I was not quite aware of what advocacy or empowerment meant, I automatically, consciously began to operate into that. And so all that's in, in part one of my book. Again, go out and get that book. Oh, and by the way, let me send a shout out to Alex over at the Brad Media Company and Theodora and Yvonne and um, Imani and all the individuals who are on the team that have decided to collaborate with me and give me this greater than awesome opportunity to give back to youth and families around the world because our program is for youth and families. So this is a greater than awesome opportunity and I'm really humbled and um, really grateful for this opportunity because our education and our socialization does matter. And so I have experienced in this past year um, a lot of trauma, a lot of trauma. And in this past year, I also consecrated myself spiritually before my Abba. And 
I um, saw many things during this consecration that I was on, including things that came to pass. And so I don't wanna want to um, go into a lot of scriptures or Bible verses or Torah information, but I would just like for people to understand that I am aware that I am a spiritual uh, individual and I grew up as such and I praise and worship my heavenly Abba as such and that is who I am. So even in my youth, I recognized uh, these things in my youth and there were different stages in which I was traumatized from other individuals not understanding the spirituality that existed inside of me as a child. So, um, you know, I just want to give all praises to our Most High Yah for all the believers and the knowers that are out there. And I'm not here to um, put anyone or anybody on a pedestal or bring anyone down on a pedestal. I'm here in order to give our community an economic advantage that has always been there, but through challenging our belief systems of empowerment on influencing youth and families. And so from that early onset of childhood trauma from the school teacher, it caused me very early in life to be mislabeled and have a label. And it conflicted with every single step going forward in my life as a child. And very early on as a child, I recognized this, I knew this. And the things that I often did to empower myself or advocate for myself, sometimes flipped on me as something bad or as I was the issue, I was the problem, when in actuality, I was standing up for what was right. And so it continued on and on and on. And a lot of youth experience uh, these types of situations and they don't know what to do or who to talk to because it's not that we do not have influential leaders or mentors in our community. We do, it's just that they're not available. Where are they? How do we get to them? How do we connect the dots to our mentors and our youth and families? Because if the youth is struggling from trauma, then absolutely the family is struggling through trauma as well. And those are things that are often ignored and often not um, taken into a considerable context on mentorship in youth and families. And so that's what we're doing in this program. And growing up in Newport, Arkansas, um, I grew up with three other siblings, um, two which are now deceased, which are both my two eldest on my mom's side and my brother, um, which we are the two living remaining. I also have two siblings on my father's side who are still living to this day. And um, a lot of times uh, we have huge families like this where um, the family has been traumatized 
on a particular level from any traumatized experience of a sibling or a child. And so I can testify to that because this past year and the year before, and the year before that, and the year before that, the year before that, it seems as if these same exact situations um, reflected in my children's lives who had a new start, who I believed were on a new path because of our newfound destination where we currently reside. But what I truly came to find out is that we live in such a small world where people are yet still doing um, the same things that were being done to me in my youth and others that um, fall in my age range and those that are older than me that experience the same uh, level of trauma from the same similar situations. My children went through those exact situations, uh, some in a different form, but yet still the same situation. And so this mentorship program is very critical because of my upbringing uh, in Newport, Arkansas. It was a very, very, and still is today, a very, very small country town. Everybody knows everybody. Um, everyone is almost related, whether it be on mom or dad's side, grandma, grandmother, grandpa's, grandpa. Um, somehow you're related. And so this is the kind of area that I grew up in. Being in such a small area caused there to be more to the situation that I was in and there was no way for me to breathe. And the only thing I could do was fight. And oftentimes there were physical actual fights more so or equal to um, the psychological fight in regards to the circumstances that um, were placed on me from the labels or the, the treatment because of the labels. A lot of times mistreatment takes place because of the labels um, that have been placed on you. So we really, really want to give other youth an opportunity to breathe, to exist, and for their potential to be pulled out so that our youth around the world in our communities culturally related are not losing their potential through the economic issues that have been such a repeated cycle. And we need influencers who are willing to challenge themselves against their own belief systems inside of our community that causes there to be a brick wall that cuts off our resources and that cuts off our ability to go forward. And so that's what we're gonna be doing on this channel. We're going to be um, breaking bricks and tearing bricks down and opening up the doors for several youth and families to go forth. Here recently in Newport, Arkansas, my sister passed away. I think I was saying that. Um, my sister passed away, um, rest in heaven to star. She had been suffering from a terminal illness for quite some time with her heart for several years now. As old as my 15 year old daughter is, that's how many years um, she's been going through this uh, 
terminal illness with her heart for 15 years. So she's done, or she did do, more than a greater than awesome job um, surviving and getting through the ups and downs of her terminal illness and the things that she had to endure um, while yet still living. So just this past uh, December and January, I was at the end of a consecration in the month of December. Prior to December, I began a consecration early in the year. Um, it was this time last year that I began the consecration. And once I started the consecration to um, not only be able to see the things that uh, were necessary for me to have awareness on, but to open up my understanding, to be able to better interpret the things that I had been misguided on or that were taught wrong or due to certain different forms of indoctrination inside of our communities, I wanted to rid those things from myself. And so when I started this consecration um, this time last year, I began to see several things that were going on with my immediate family um, and the issues that were ringing constantly, sounding alarms in my immediate family. And one of the situations was dealing with my sister who just passed away where she had to go into a surgery and my mother did not tell me or my brother um, that my sister had to go into the surgery. My sister didn't tell me or my brother either. And my mother has been like this for all of her life where she will keep things a secret and not tell a soul, um, including her immediate family. So it's not just outside family members or you know outside friends, she won't tell a soul. So this has been my mother all my life since I was I was a wee itty bitty child. She's been this way. I don't know why she's this way. I don't know why she didn't break this habit or what causes her to be this way from the trauma that I know she's gone through and the trauma that I'm not aware of that she's gone through the, the things that she has not shared with me. I have had other family members that are her age and older tell me some things about their childhood and their youth, but as far as understanding why my mother has been like this, I have no answer, <laughs> no answer whatsoever. So my sister had a major surgery that she had to go into and my mother didn't say anything about this surgery at all. And prior to the surgery, and prior to this moment that I'm getting ready to tell you about, I had a dream. I had two dreams. The first dream I had um, was my mother and I were in the dream. I could see my mother and I in the dream. Um, and my daughter was in the dream, but I couldn't see my uh, daughter's entire body. I couldn't see her physical image. So in the dream, my, um, my daughter entered this room that my mother and I were going into with family members 
and as we were walking into this room this room had several different tables now there were several different family members there i could not see all the family members faces i only saw one family member face in this uh, particular dream that i had and as my mother and i walked into this room there were several different tables and family members were everywhere and this one family member got up and attacked me and this particular night that i was having this dream it was thundering and lightning and every time the thunder crashed it would try to take me out of the dream and so i began to pray and fight to stay into this dream because i did not want to get out of this dream i wanted to know what this dream was about as we entered this room and all these tables were there there was also this big giant mirror that was on the wall and as the family member attacked me the mirror broke and wherever my daughter was standing in this dream the a piece of the mirror that broke hit my daughter in the eye and my daughter said to me don't worry mama i can still see that's what she said she said don't worry mama I can still see. And as the thundering continued outside in the natural realm, in the spiritual realm of things of this dream, I was still fighting. And I could not see, as I stated earlier, all the family members' faces that were there, but they had all, in fact, um, tried to attack me. So as my mother and I uh, began to walk out of this room, we got in this van and the van pulled off. And as the van drove down the street, there were police officers everywhere lined up down the street. And the wind was blowing and leaves were falling um, as we drove down this street. And the van made a sudden right turn. And as it made a right turn there was this big open gate that was shut and in the dream an officer walked up to the van and he looked in the van and he told the driver okay you all can go through and so me and my mother we went through this gate and the dream ended and so when I woke up I began to pray and bind and rebuke every demonic force and every evil spirit that was surrounding uh, my family members and whatever this thing was that they were trying to attack me on, I began to bind it up. And shortly after that, um, I ended up having another dream, which this dream was my sister who was awake on the operating table. During this surgery, that my mother had not informed me about. And so I'm laying down sleep again and my right leg begins to kick. And as I'm trying to wake up out of this dream to stop my leg from kicking, I couldn't get up out of it and I couldn't stop my leg. And as my leg is continuing to kick and I'm trying to stop it, I'm going into this dark room, it's really, really dark. And I can see a light um, before me, but the light is very dim. 
And as I get closer and closer and closer and closer uh, to the light, everything becomes brightened. And as I get in the light, I'm actually inside my sister's operating room. I see the doctors and the nurses that are surrounding her. And my sister is trying to pray. And she's trying to call on our Adon and Savior in his Hebrew name. And as I get closer and closer and closer to her, I see angels and demons with swords fighting above her head. And she looks up and she sees them as well. And as I get closer and closer and closer, I, I begin to pray with her. And as I continue to pray with her, she realizes and recognizes that I'm in there with her and I'm praying with her. And she's still trying to stop her leg from kicking because she's coming out of the pain that she's in. But she had been trying to alert the doctors and, and tell the doctors that she was awake. And so as she and I continue to pray and pray and pray and pray, I began to come out of the room slowly. It was like I was backing out of the room slowly and slowly and slowly. Finally, it's dark again. I can't see anything. And so I jump up. I wake up uh, when it's over. And I go rush to my laptop and I get ready to call my mom and talk to my mom. And I was very upset because my mother hadn't told me anything. And so I was really upset to be honest that this was taking place, that my sister was awake on the operating table. And the fact that my mother hadn't informed any of us that she was going to this procedure. And so I open my laptop and I get on the phone that's downloaded on my laptop to um, call my mother. And right before I get ready to call her, there's 10 phone calls. And my mother had called several times and my brother had called several times. And my brother's messages was saying, Star just woke up. She wants to talk to you. She's calling for you. She's calling your name. She wants to talk to you. And so when I dialed my mother's uh, phone and my mother answered, I immediately said to my mother, why didn't you tell me that she had to go into surgery? I said, do you not know that she was awake on the operating table? And my mother got quiet. She didn't say anything. And so there was a long pause between my mother and I for about 15 to 20 seconds. And then my mother says to me, well, your sister wants to speak to you. And I said, I know she does. I said, tell her that I was there and that I know she was awake on the table and that we were calling on Yahshua HaMashiach together and that I know she was saved. I said, but tell her to go ahead and get some rest and I will call her back after she rests. And so I told you this story because when my sister passed away um, back in December, the funeral was held in January, I was assaulted by my own family. I was attacked 
by my own family because I had called a meeting and I stated to all the family members that I contacted by phone, whether it was by text message or by you know phone communication, that we needed a family meeting. And that if individuals in the family did not want to come to this family meeting to forgive one another and move forward, then they did not need to participate in the burial of my sister. So many family members had not been there for my mother and my sister. Some had been there uh, through limited circumstances, limited times, and some had not been there at all. And there was no need for our community and our family to continue as we have done from our cultural experiences to come together and gather when someone dies and you have not been there for them. And so um, I had this conversation with my mother and my mother agreed to this. And um, I told my mother that, you know, I had this dream and I already knew what was taking place and what was going on and that it was time for us to obey our calling. It was time for us to obey our purpose. And it was time for us to stand up for who we are. And so as my mother and I had this conversation, she agreed. Now, I grew up understanding the spiritual connection between myself and my Abba, our heavenly Abba, at a very young age. Uh, my mother was a prayer warrior when I was a young girl, and she took us through um, praying and consecrating as younger children. And I'm talking, I'm the youngest in the family, so I'm the baby, baby, baby. And my siblings are years and years older than me. My eldest and I, we were 10 years apart before she passed away. So I am the baby, baby, baby. So I was behind uh, praying and consecrating before our Heavenly Abba um, as the scriptures taught us to do. And so for my mother, she knew that this divine intervention for me was definitely um, a spiritual renewing uh, to me for her, for my sister, for myself, and for my family from all the things that we, we had in fact gone through. So my mother agreed that, you know, my sister's burial had to be accordingly and that it was necessary for us to take these steps in going forward and including my sister's um, son who is incarcerated that many of you have um, witnessed that are on my Facebook page or several people that have come through and looked at my Facebook page, it is a public page, Arlinda's Dots, um, and have heard the cries and have read the cries and have seen the prayers for my nephew constantly over and over and over, including the petition 
um, that has gone forth for him over and over and over. So this burden, it was time for this burden to be lifted. However, prior to uh, that dream, the Heavenly Father was revealing many things um, to me in regards to the community there and my childhood. Because immediately when I began to plan my LLC, as I was doing the formation process and I was meeting with all these CEOs and other entrepreneurs and other professionals and talking about um, you know, the way I wanted my business to be and what I wanted to do, I ran into a lot of the same issues that I experienced in my childhood um, from the issues of situations that were taking place in my life during this time. And my sister, my eldest sister's death was um, one of the issues, um, which was the first issue. The second issue was my nephew's incarceration. And then the third issue was the school teacher threatening to hang my daughter, telling her that she was going to hang my daughter upside down on the tree with the rope. And so those were three critical, horrific situations that took place all during the formation of the business and after the formation took place and the LLC went through, um, all three of these situations connected. And it was at this point that I was able to actually see how the issues in my childhood were yet still existing in my adulthood. And a lot of times we don't recognize these um, warfare battles that we go through because we don't see clearly. Or as some might interpret, um, our third eye is not open. And so I began to see, wow, I'm being hit with these same issues at a point in which I decided to make a change. Now, many of you know that I was homeless. Many of you do not know that I was homeless, but I lived in another city prior to my current um, city that I live in, which is Austin, Texas. I lived in Corpus Christi, Texas. And immediately after moving there, I faced some horrific challenges that I never ever thought I would face. Um, and leaving there, uh, transferring school into Austin, Texas, um, being ready to graduate with my degree, things automatically turned around due to course numbers. And so um, I went through a very rough patch after moving to Austin, Texas and getting to a place where I believed I could be a part of economically restoring our community. But I feel that those challenges that I went through with facing homelessness and getting my um, degree in motion and, and going forth and having all these other goals, that all of those issues were challenges for me to see who I am, my true identity, number one, and number two, 
for me to be able to see my purpose and what I was really called to the earth to do, why I was actually born during this time. And it took me to go through those many different obstacles and issues in my adulthood for me to be able to recognize because I didn't have myself in a consecrated state as an adult to be able to understand. So that's why this podcast is called Indirect and Direct Accountability because we have so much accountability on issues in life, even in situations that are not our fault, that we do not control, there's an indirect accountability for us to be able to see. And a lot of times we're so off focus, we can't see. And this is why culturally speaking, we do not have the available resources necessary inside of our community because we're all struggling, okay? We're trying to function and we do not understand how to function because we have not reached this level of consciousness of knowledge and understanding of who we are. And a lot of times this is what keeps us at a domino effect with one another where we're just constantly falling down. And so I feel that during this particular time of my um, second to the eldest sister's death, the Heavenly Father was showing me how to rid myself away from this domino effect or what some may call a generational curse. The Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Abba, was showing me what it was I needed to do and where I needed to stand and that there was going to be a major offset to where I am now that I had to know above all that my total dependence is in my heavenly hour. And so I believe that all these other circumstances I already understood that, but I don't feel that I understood it in depth as much as I needed to. And so spirituality is real. It's real. It's who we are. And the indirect accountability that we all have is to face these issues in our community head on, one by one, individually and begin to operate in our purpose in which we not only pull the potential from those that need that resource, but at the same time, we are recycling this resource inside of our community. And so I think that's extremely important to building a strong economical foundation for our youth and our families because a lot of times families, the adults inside of the family are behind as to how can I get an economical grip on my lifestyle so that I can change and I can be more productive in society and help recycle resources that are necessary in our community. And a lot of times family, um, well, the adults in the family do not understand how to do this. 
So then the youth do not understand how to do this. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that experience and go over how I knew this situation was going to take place with my sister. Um, it's a very frustrating, sad um, situation that did occur because I feel that I had, in fact, been warned. Now, um, when I tried to leave, I couldn't leave. Um, I continued to pray and I continued to consecrate and so many things were going on for all those that were tuned into my Facebook page. Um, There's a lot of things that I was posting during this time when my sister passed. And um, it was horrific. It was sad. It was something that, uh, it was something that you don't see often take place or it's not known that it takes place at that extent. And what made the situation um, more critical is that when my eldest sister passed away, I was really hurt. I was hurt to the point where what took place was so unbelievable, I didn't even have a chance to breathe um, because family did not help and individuals uh, got involved inside of our family that were uh, family members who were, that barely showed up, barely came around. I mean, these are family members I hadn't heard from or seen from since I was a wee little bitty child. And so many embarrassing things took place at my sister's funeral um, service, my eldest sister in 2017, it was awful. Um, it was so awful to the point to where I almost didn't have any strength to make it into her actual funeral service. Um, and you know, the, the, the sad part about what took place at my eldest sister's funeral services that still sticks with me today, which is what I feel the Heavenly Father was dealing with me about you know, understanding the indoctrinated cultural situations that we're under is not necessarily um, our true culture. And so one of the things that stuck to me the most was that I didn't get to say ashes to ashes and dust to dust to my eldest sibling. The one who was my teacher, the one who raised me because my mother was out in community, serving community. I did not get to say ashes to ashes and dust to dust because there were things that still had to be taken care of due to man-made tradition. And although that was the most horrific experience of my life, the Heavenly Father wanted me to understand I need you operating in your purpose for community. So, I hope that 
a lot of you all um, have prayed for me. Prayed for my family, definitely. Um, prayed for those who will be connecting with us in the future. Because this is healing. This is healing in my life from all of the things that I have had to conquer in my youth on up to now. You know, one of the things um, I wanted to talk about as well on today is this direct accountability that we have when it comes to individuals inside of our culturally related communities who have disabilities. For me, all the situations that I experienced in my youth that were trauma, that caused me to advocate and empower myself, whether it be through physical um, fights that I had, which you'll read about in my book, or whether it be through the psychological uh, pressures that I had to endure and learn how to battle those, I was never diagnosed with anything. I was diagnosed as a normal person. Um, every time I, you know, went through um, this assessment, that assessment, this assessment, or that assessment, and all that's in my book, in part one. Um, I was never diagnosed with anything. Um, I was stated as, you know, being a normal child, and I feel that that's because individuals in the medical field recognized and knew that the level of trauma that I had been through was not my fault. And so therefore you couldn't say that I had this particular situation and the proper thing to do was to hold those accountable for what had happened to me. And I honestly feel that no one was willing to do that. Um, and that's, that's the situation that we have going on a lot, a lot, a lot in our communities. Um, I wasn't diagnosed with bipolar until my adulthood um, when I was actually diagnosed. And um, I remember during the stage of the diagnosis, I told the doctor, I said, well, you know, I grew up in a very um, spiritual atmosphere where we worship and praise our heavenly Abba in a fashion that others may not do. And I remember the doctor saying, well, that's normal. There's nothing wrong with that. And I remember telling the doctor that I'd always had dreams and that I'd always had visions and that this was connected uh, to, you know, my... Um, my worship, our way of worshiping um, our Heavenly Father. And so I remember the doctor saying, and that's normal, that's, that's fine, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and we understand that. But what I couldn't get was why I was diagnosed with bipolar. I wanted to know, and so I began to research. Now, bipolar was not the only diagnosis I was given. I was also given a diagnosis of PTSD um, from the trauma. But I couldn't understand why I was diagnosed with PTSD and bipolar, um, especially after all of these years. And I figured that I've done 
somewhat okay for myself, but that I could have done better. And after recognizing uh, many of the things that I have direct accountability for, I could have absolutely changed uh, my situations if I had a particular level of knowledge and understanding for things that I didn't. And so I felt like, you know, I had to hold myself accountable for the knowledge or information I didn't seek out because I didn't know this or I didn't know that. And I've always been a researcher. So I had to hold myself accountable for, you know, situations in my life that I caused myself to not be at a particular level in which I should be in. But as to the indirect accountability, there were opportunities available in which I could renew my thinking that I was yet still responsible and there was yet still an accountability there because I still had these resources available. But where were the examples of these resources? And that's where I struggled. Because all through childhood, which you'll read about in my book, um, I was associated and connected to many youth who did have a diagnosed label of a psychological condition. And I was closely related to these individuals, as you'll find out once you buy that book, okay? Don't forget to get the Bipolar Mentor. And this is part one, there's part two, part three and so forth and so on. But I was closely um, connected and associated to other youth who absolutely did have a diagnosis from a doctor, a medical professional. And I couldn't understand why. And all the youth that I grew up around would always tell me, Arlinda, you're different than us. You're different. And many of them would say to me, you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be here. And many of them were, um, you know, other youth that I grew up with that I had known all my life. And many of them were new youth, individuals I had never known. But because of the environments that I was placed in, I met these individuals. And so I'd heard that all through my life. And, you know, the funny part about it is those other youth, they were planting more seeds in me at that time from the words that they spoke. So when I say that this program is inspired by my youth and the issues that I went through in my youth and are inspired by my children because my children helped form this youth program, I truly mean it. There were so many other youth who planted a seed inside of me, who stated and spoke that I was different and that I didn't belong there and that they knew it. And that seed took some time to grow and it has grown. And so it is extremely important for our youth and um, our influencers to become mentor mentees. It is extremely important for our mentees to become mentors to other mentees as well. And we continue to cycle um, this greater than awesome opportunity to pull potential out of our youth and our families who have experienced trauma or those who have had a diagnosis later on in life 
and may not have been so much aware as to why they had or why they experienced um, so many different circumstances from the mislabels that were placed on them. So it is really a, a true eye-opener. And I just want to say this one thing for the record. You know, I cannot stand when I see these reality shows or, um, you know, these sitcoms or movies or whatever it is where people are on there calling other individuals bipolar because they have no idea what it means to be bipolar. Read my book, read my book, and I have the answers as to what bipolar is. Look at me today, where I am now. I am the face of bipolar. And so it is extremely important that we begin to rebuild our communities. We begin to challenge our belief systems that we have developed because we're from this group or we're from that group or I believe in this or I believe in that and get back to what belongs to us. Where did we come from? Who are we? And the majority of us all have the proper the proper information <clears throat> on where we come from, who we are, there may be, you know, a different interpretation as to, you know, our bloodline and, um, you know, how we were at this particular time, at this stage, our ancestors were here, our ancestors were there. But we must remember that our grandparents, our great aunts, our great uncles, all those individuals too are our ancestors. And when we look back on their lives, those that have passed away, what information did they leave behind or what information did they lack that we now have today? Or what was a piece of information that they had that they only gave us pieces of that we can now take the puzzle pieces and put them totally together? What was that? What's inside of us individually to become the pieces to the puzzle? And so I think it starts with our challenges because for me, my challenges started at the formation of my business. I assumed and I thought and I felt that my challenges started a long time ago. I thought my challenges were here and my challenges were there. It wasn't until I decided to begin my business startup that the true challenges of who I am and entrepreneurship and going forth was who I am. So I would like to challenge everyone today that listens to this podcast to challenge yourself individually on your own startup to a lifestyle change and think critically how you can become involved 
and our youth program digitally and help change the future of another child or family that you reflect. Because I reflect many families. I reflect many youth once upon a time from my youth. I've lost several individuals in my youth growing up. They died. I lost several of them into our early stages of reaching adulthood. And I have mourned those individuals for quite some time, wondering why they never had the available opportunities to them that many others had available to them. I wanted them to succeed so much that I moaned for their success that was never going to take place because they were no longer here. Please go out and buy my book. Go out and buy my book. Support this cause. I had a school teacher to tell me and many other children that we would all be dead by the age of 21. That we wouldn't make it past the age of 21. It was also stated some of us wouldn't make it past the age of 18. When I was a child, this was stated to several 11 and 12 year olds. When I was a child, a school teacher. So please, please, please go out and buy the book. I want to thank everyone for your prayers. I want to thank everyone for keeping me um, on your heart and your mind. Just from the considerations of being a part of this program on numerous levels. I want to... Um, thank all of the entrepreneurs who I have connected with inside of our community who have agreed to participate um, in this program. It is really, really, really awesome. I know a lot of people have asked a couple of questions about my business and how uh, my business and the program is separate. Well, uh, ACD. T-O-W-A, that's the short form of saying my business. What I do with my, with my business is I seek a collaboration between agencies for advocacy services for youth and families um, that have issues with educational matters, socialization concerns, uh, health matters and help bring them into interest-based alternatives for their family. And I know a lot of people want to know about interest-based alternatives and what that means. And it's just what it says, interest-based alternatives per each individual's own interest. 
whether it be the parent or parents or the child or the children. Um, the goal is to um, bring forth their interest through collaborative services of other entrepreneurs and myself for the particular services that they are seeking. And so if anyone out there is having issues um, in the educational matter of public or private school, um, I will definitely be willing to mentor you um, through those particular obstacles. Uh, It doesn't matter where you live um, around the world. Um, I would love to mentor you and I would love to help you along the lines of the specifics that your child needs in public or private school. But I will also refer you to our program if anyone would like to participate in our program and help us create and build a international academy um, for our youth. So that is what we're also in the process of building. And now the International Youth Academy is dedicated to my eldest sister um, because as I stated earlier, that was my school teacher. She was my teacher. She taught me the majority of things that I learned, um, whether it was hands-on experiences um, or whether it was particular studies because my mother was always busy serving community. And so my eldest sister did a lot with teaching me and my siblings, but particularly me. I went everywhere uh, with my eldest sister as a young child. So that uh, International Youth Academy is definitely dedicated to her. Um, We were some singing chariots. Uh, my sisters and I, and including my brother, he won't admit it, <laughs> but my brother was also a singer and we played several different instruments in our home. And um, this this International Youth Academy is dedicated to her. Um, she was a school teacher at heart and she also had an opportunity um, to teach in the public school system before her passing. And she did so many, many, many great things. There's an entire chapter that's dedicated to my sister um, in the book about all the things that she accomplished in her youth throughout her teenage life and as well in her adulthood. That was not unfortunately uh, listed in her obituary because of the circumstances surrounding uh, those who would not help and those who did get involved and destroyed our immediate family's um, opportunity to put my sister's obituary together. So that information is also in my book about the teen conferences and all the greater than awesome things that my eldest sister did. So there's the good, the bad, the ugly, and the greater than awesome stuff um, that's in this book in part one. 
nothing is withheld nothing will be withheld in part two and so forth and so on but I just wanted to come out and talk a little bit about what I faced and what I've gone through I know a lot of people were concerned about the assault from the family that took place with me and my daughter and all is well because the Heavenly Father had already shown this to me my mother also um, had a vision of this taking place after I arrived down there and she and I were praying together. Um, the Heavenly Father, Abba, showed her um, what was coming, uh, the plan that had been plotted against me. It's just very sad that my mother didn't take heed to um, what the Most High showed her. But again, I still love my mother. I can't go into too much information uh, regarding all the details of this matter right now um, because there is a pending situation that is very unlawful uh, in regards to this case. And I know that the Heavenly Father is going to yet again work this thing out as always because I am a vessel. And so I stand firm, I stand rooted, I stand grounded. Right is right, wrong is wrong. And we all must be held accountable for wrongdoing and for rightdoing. So that's where we are. But I look forward to talking with you all again. I hope you all tune in. Please, 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 please um, get the book, The Bipolar Mentor. Shout out to Alex at The Brad Company. Again, Bragg Media Company. And look for You all should see it soon. This will be a greater than awesome opportunity for you all to get it now. I know everyone's at home due to the COVID-19 pandemic that we're currently on. I want to send out um, my prayers to individuals and families who have had to deal with this matter up close and personal. You all hold on, hang in there, and pray, 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 pray. Um, Begin to research information. I'm going to do another episode in regards to health pretty soon. Um, I've had several physical issues that have occurred in my body from the trauma that I experienced, um, which is why several things were connected to my psychological diagnosis that I'll be talking about soon. And I got myself into deeper research on nature's healing and discovered uh, healthier alternatives into learning how to heal myself. And so I will be talking about those things coming up shortly. But I wanted to do an hour introduction and I'm already over seven minutes. (laughs) I can really, really talk. And today, well, tonight, because I'm I'm doing this uh, recording for this podcast at night. I'll probably do all my podcasts at night, but I'm really, really calm. And it's so many things that have been going on. Um, that I'll be sharing on this podcast. There's a lot of information, a lot of evidence to a lot of situations that have taken place um, that will be upcoming that I will be sharing. 
on this podcast. So tune in, tune in, tune in. Sponsor, sponsor, sponsor. Donate, donate, donate to our BYBO program. And if anyone out there is looking for uh, mentorship advocacy services, do not hesitate on contacting me. You can also go to our website at www.theofficewithanswers.com. You can sign up there, become a member. You can also um, try us out for free. Um, There are two coupons that are currently on there for free services. And we have also discounted tremendously some of our services. And we are excited and we are waiting to work with you for you and your family. And we are ready to totally heal our community together in unity. So I look forward to hearing from you all on our next podcast. Feel free to message me on my podcast. Check out all the features to this podcast. And stay up, stay positive, and keep praying. Shalom. Thanks for tuning into my mother's Up Above Ground podcast. If you would like to donate, go to paypal.me backslash the office with answers or Venmo her connect the dots. Help support our youth program today. Go show so arigotou gozaimashita. Thank you.